Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to the Dynamic Dojo Show with Restita and Robert, your source for martial arts talk radio. It's April 19th, and it's our Sunday brunch show. I'm your host, Christina De Jesus, and I'm joined by my co-host and a brother in the martial arts, Sifu Robert Deal. Sifu Bob, how you doing today, man? Yeah, I'm doing really, really well. Uh, you know, I had an interesting week. You know, my birthday was Tuesday, and you did this amazing thing that I never expected, that video. Uh, of all these people saying happy birthday. It was, it was actually really touching. I was waiting for my son to get out of work. It was like 12.30 in the morning uh, on Tuesday. It just turned mm-hmm. Tuesday, the 14th. And I saw this video, and it was very, very touching the way you did it. I was like, wow. I can actually say that it was all over the country, even though most of them were local. I had West Bennett, which was funnier than hell. Yep. Uh, everybody loved it. Everybody commented on it. Uh Oh, cool! Yeah, it was I tried great. To get... we went to... huh. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. I was, I was, oh, I was gonna say I tried to get a bunch of people because, like, I was just kind of like driving along, driving home, and I went, "Gosh, it kind of sucks that Bob can't be here during his birthday." Oh, wait, I know what I'll do when I get home. So I like, I like uh, texted and emailed everybody that we knew, and I'm like. I need this in 24 hours. <laughs> Can you hook me up? <laughs> and then the next morning, my my phone started blowing up with all these, like, short videos and stuff. I'm like, okay, I'm awake. I'm awake. <laughs> so, so that yeah. So that my wife and out. I were having coffee this morning. It was really funny. Mm-hmm. I said, I, because we were outside of Albertsons, which is about to change names, right? And, yeah, I told you that yesterday. Yeah, it's going to turn into yeah. a Hagen's, right? Right, and so I, I told, I, I commented to Jenny, I said, yeah, Rusty's going to see something she usually, you know, does, see, doesn't see when she comes down, and because there's, there's it's because it's dedicated to Seattle, and she said, what's that, son? <laughs> I love it, I love it, she gets her in shot. <laughs> and, no, because I was commenting that now you've got a, a company that is usually typically dedicated to the Seattle market or the area. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. going to, Albertsons is going to turn into Hagen because that's how it went. Cause Safeway bought Albertsons or Albertsons bought Safeway, which owns bonds and pavilions and yeah. all these markets. But I guess if they would have turned all the Albertsons into Safeway or bonds, they would have created a monopoly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So they I mean, had yeah. to... Uh, adjust, and I guess they sold a bunch of the markets to uh, uh, to Hagen's, like 135 of them. Wow. Yeah, so Very Hagen's cool. going to be, like, really growing really fast. Very cool. Yay, Hagen's in California. Like, over here, Hagen's, is pri- H- Hagen's was technically... Albertsons, right? I mean, there's uh, Hagen's is more like more like on the 
like no, the far north and south ends, like outside of Seattle and stuff like that. Uh, but it's a great store. Primarily in metropolitan Seattle, we've got um, Safeway, Thriftway, uh, PCC, and uh, metropolitan markets. Um, those are like the the big local branches. Um, but yeah, I mean, like just down the street from me. There was an Albertsons and a Safeway right across the street from each other. And it's no wonder that Albertsons, like, closed. I'm like, why is Albertsons closed? <laughs> oh, ah. they bought out Safeway or vice versa or something like that, right? And then all the right. – there's only, like, there's only, like, a few Albertsons left um, in my neck of the woods. It's kind of sad, but it's like, well, you know, moving forward, you know. <laughs> so that's cool. Hey, yeah. Absolutely. Yep, Hey, yeah. And then Albertsons is closing for two days during the transition. Because I guess they're putting in, the, like, the deluxe meat counter, and they have to change the signs and do all that yeah. stuff. So they're, they're closing, not this Tuesday, but they're closing the following Tuesday because it's like a they're going to transition in 10 days. Oh, wow, that that's soon. <laughs> yeah. Very now, cool. We, we don't have any Safeways down here anymore. We had one that closed, like, 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. And because it was an up-north company, Safeway was up-north, Bond was down here. Owned by the same company. Hmm. And then, then cool. they opened the higher end market, the pavilion down here, mm-hmm. which, you know, had the sushi bars and all that yuppie kind of stuff. And the, yeah. the higher price, they're like three times as much as anybody else. Mm-hmm. Now, do you guys have Whole Foods down there, or is it just a. Oh, yeah. It's big okay. down here. Yeah, it's Whole huge. Whole Foods, over here. Trader Joe's, all that. Yeah, oh, good, good. So In fact, they're opening one in Burbank. Oh, cool. Yay. Awesome. When I want something good and quick to eat, I always go to Whole Foods. So Right. They have cool. the, the salad bars and, and all that. Yeah. Yeah, and the hot bar and stuff. It's pretty cool. All right. Very cool. But speaking of sun, considering that Jenny was uh, joking about it, it's <laughs> we're finally hitting spring. It's going to be in the mid-70s today. Uh, but the, but then of course, like starting tomorrow, it's going to turn into Seattle again. So, eh, yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. So, all right. Um, what was I going to say? I was going to get right into birthdays, but uh, for our listeners out there, our phone number is three four seven six seven seven zero six nine nine. Stay tuned because at around eleven thirty or so, we are going to have Mikaela Armstrong. Joining us, he is a nominee to the 2015 Masters Hall of Fame, nominated by Kumulua Michelle Manu. And Michelle Manu will be joining us a little bit later, uh, probably around noon or or so. So she'll be uh, joining us uh, during that uh, interview. All right. Well, let's get started. Who do we have for birthdays there, Sifu Bob? Well, today is... Grandmaster and Keymaster Mark Shuey's birthday, 419. Uh, master and mega author, and he's been in the same location for 45 years. Uh, tomorrow is Emil Farkas' birthday. Oh, What, cool. what a day to, to have uh, a birthday on 420. Which yeah. that's blown up into many other things. of Adolf Hitler's birthday, it's the date where everybody sells pot. So you guys, now that it's legalized up there, you guys are probably going to go that tomorrow. <laughs> uh, our guest today, Michaela uh, Armstrong, his birthday is on the 21st. 
a good friend of the show that has called has been on the show once, called in to celebrate uh, her uh, her seafood nomination to the Madison Hall of Fame. Claudia Lopez, her birthday is on the 24th, and a past guest of the show and somebody we met at Dragon Fest. Mark Wiley, his birthday is on the 24th as well. Awesome. I've got a few birthdays also here. Let me back up a little bit. Um, tomorrow is uh, Nisabel Vidal's birthday. She is the daughter of Daryl and April Vidal. So happy birthday, Nissa. Um, I'd also like to wish a happy birthday to Kathy Long, one of the pioneers of uh, women's martial arts. Uh, her birthday is Tuesday the 21st. And there was someone else. Oh, uh, Sensei Stephen Kaufman. His birthday is also is on the 22nd. And who else do we got here? Did you mention... Did you mention Claudia Lopez on the 24th? I forgot. Yes, I did. Okay. And Mark, wait. I guess it would help if I went back to the notes. Okay, and you mentioned Mark Wiley. That's good. Happy birthday, Guru Mark. And I think I think that's it for for me. But I also want to um, just do uh, uh, a couple of uh, celebrity birthdays just because. Uh, Shamar Moore. Um, his birthday is tomorrow. He's turning 44. Wow. I didn't know he was that young. <laughs> he's he's the guy on Criminal Minds. Um, also tomorrow, George Takei's birthday, he's be, he'll be turning 77. Joey Lawrence will be turning 38 tomorrow. Also, Andy Serkis uh, will be turning uh, 50 tomorrow. And uh, Andy Serkis, for those of you that don't know who he is, he's the guy that did the motion capture for the Golem character in the uh, uh, Lord of the Rings trilogy. That's pretty cool. Today, however, it's uh, Kate Hudson's birthday, turning 36. Ashley Judd and Tim Curry also have a birthday today. Tim Curry 69, and from the latest pictures of him, he does not look 69. So anyway. <laughs> well, now, you know what? i got to say something about this, because we know when it comes to you judging age, you suck. <laughs> So let, let's go back three years now. You're visiting okay. me. We're having a beautiful time. We're, we're going to see stuff. And it was, some comment was made when you said, what are you, 10 years older than me? I was well, now like, hold on a second. What? You got to understand, I grew up around Asians. That should That should explain yeah. things. Right there. <laughs> it does. These Asians that, that are like in their 70s, they look like they're 30. Yeah, that does explain yeah. a lot. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, like going to my like 20 and 30 year reunions, it's like you know, for high school, it's like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> and very few white guys do not show their age. Yeah. Yeah. We start losing uh, our hair. We start going gray. We. Sometimes we do look older, just not 10 years. <laughs> oh, well, you know, I mean, I, you know, I'm not going to say that it's a white person thing. I'm just going to say it's, you know, it, it's just hereditary. I mean, I started graying when I was 
uh, like 35, but I just kept parting my hair in different places and until it finally got to the point where it's like, now it doesn't matter where I parted, it's gray. <laughs> so I'm just going to go with it. So anyway, for everybody, uh, martial artists, friends, and celebrities having a birthday this week, April 19th through the 25th, this tune's for you. I want to wanna wish you a happy birthday. I want to wanna help you celebrate. I want to wanna wish you lots of presents. I want to wanna help you eat your cake. Bossy, bossy in the island way You'll be jamming all night Till the light of day Your birthday, birthday is your day to shine Another year and you'll be looking fine So have a no worries, don't you hesitate It's time to party, party, time to celebrate yeah. Alright, happy birthday everybody All right, let's get moving on up with some announcements. Do you have any announcements on your end there, Sifu Bob? Oh, of course. Same announcements every week for, for like, months. We've got, uh, of course, Mavs Hall of Fame coming up that uh, the inductees have to get their reservations in, have to get the paperwork in because we're only accepting a a limited number this year of 50 Mm -hmm. to 60 uh, inductees because the venue is so much smaller than we're it's only 300 people, but it's mm-hmm. at the historic Roosevelt Hotel, and I understand the the, the location is amazing. There's like two levels, uh, a mezzanine level where like uh, some of the ambassadors may be, or the board members may be up there that typically don't nominate. Uh, like maybe Dan Heck may be on the mezzanine level. Uh, we're gonna. I don't care if we're board members or not. You and I are gonna be on the floor. Yeah, with yeah. I want to be with. Uh, yeah, I want to be with my nominees. I don't want to be like sitting above them or anything like that. No, definitely not. Uh, but there's 300 people this year. It, it is literally sold out for the last six or seven years. Mm-hmm. Now I figured out. You know, I've been going since 07. This is like my ninth year. So wow! It doesn't even feel like it because I, my buddy uh, Greg Woolridge was inducted in 07. I went to support him. I was inducted in 08, and I've been an ambassador since 09. Yeah. And the years yeah. just keep flying by. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, it's like but, every time uh, I go, it feels like it, it feels like the, well, the one after I got uh, nominated, because the first one was like kind of like a, a whirlwind, right? But uh, it's right. only my fifth year, and uh, I'm just loving it, you know, and I just want to keep doing this as long as I can. I mean, it's a it's a great organization, and uh, um and it's uh, how do I put this? It, it it is all about recognizing excellence in the martial arts, not uh, not recognizing people because they're only celebrities or only have like five thousand square foot schools. You know what I mean? So it could be the backyard dojo person. It could be the person that uh, you know doesn't get on Facebook but really makes an impact in their community. Those are the people that we're looking for. Quality nominees that that really. Um, that really show what martial arts is all about. So pretty cool. That's right. And then, of awesome. course, we have Dragon Fest coming up in July 18th and 19th. Woo-hoo. This one's going to be a two-day event this year. 
Uh, last was just it was one day. We had about twelve hundred attendees last year, and this year we expect over two thousand. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the list is is endless, which I had I wish I had up in front of me. But uh, oh, we're gonna have celebrities, uh, martial artists, have booths, authors, uh, vendors. It, it's gonna be a great year this year. I'm really mm-hmm. looking forward to it. Yes, it's, it's gonna it's gonna be cool, very cool. Um, I've got uh, just a couple events to uh, to share. Uh, this coming Saturday, April 25th. Um, this is actually my event. I'm actually going to be hosting the 2015 World Tai Chi Qigong Day at the Seattle Chinese Garden at the 6016th Avenue Southwest in Seattle, 98106. And this is the 16th annual World Tai Chi Day. Um, <clears throat> and it's the only event uh, in the world that celebrates uh, the healing arts of Tai Chi and Qigong. Um, it also coincides with World Healing Day, which is a day that uh, that celebrates uh, any activity that is for self-healing, whether it's medical healing, physical healing, emotional healing. Uh, but the, just to give people an idea out there of what World Tai Chi Day is, it's not just some local thing in Seattle. Seventy nations around the world <laughs> in hundreds of cities and in all 50 states, um, celebrate this. Because because there are a lot of Tai Chi and Qigong instructors uh, all over the world. And the idea is is to, to kind of move the movement of Tai Chi and Qigong across the world at 10 a.m. local time in each area. Um, and, uh, we're, again, we're going to be holding it at the Seattle Chinese Garden. It's free. You don't have to pay. So just come on by. Beginners are welcome. You don't have to be skilled in Tai Chi. Come on by and try it out. Because, um, you know, uh, even though there are you younger folks out there that are pretty kick-ass martial artists and stuff, there's going to come a point where you can't do the same stuff. And Tai Chi is going to make sure that you do. All right? So um, anyway, um, it's also the opening day of the uh, Seattle Chinese Garden's Peony uh stay and watch the opening the lion dance and all sorts of other Chinese martial arts uh, demonstrations and stuff like that and take part in a garden tour please do all right and that's again that's this Saturday uh 930 Very to 1030 cool. all right now, and have one you always more posted it? always since the well always. no actually I've the first one I went to was hosted by my teacher and from uh, from that particular year for uh, from the next year forward, uh, I went and did it. So very cool. Wow, you're you're breaking up really bad. Camp uh, this year, it's. Rusty, are you still there? I lost you completely on any sound feed. <laughs> we lost Rusty. Rusty, come back. I don't know what happened. We did lose her, so I'm going to stall until she gets back on the air. 
which is a little embarrassing, but these are the challenges of live radio. But sometimes I didn't even know she left. I heard her breaking up, breaking up, breaking up, and all of a sudden she's gone. Leslie, come back. Join us. You were in the middle of something. And she's still not back yet. Well, soon we will be joined by our guest, McKay. You know, I'm having trouble pronouncing his name, and I do apologize. Michaela uh, Armstrong will be joining us very shortly, as soon as Rusty gets back on. I'm going to type here in our chat room, Rusty, come back and join us. She's probably freaking out right now because this has actually happened to me where all of a sudden I'm not there anymore. And I'm freaking out a little bit right now because she's still not back and I don't know what to do. So <laughs> so please, listeners, do bear with us as I freak out a little bit and I will be texting her going, Rusty, where are you? I'm dying here. I'm like losing it. So please, listeners, just bear with us just a little bit longer as I text her and go, where are you? Where where you are? I sound like Yoda for a minute. Where are you? What happened? This is uh, this is actually pretty screwed. <laughs> so I'm texting her at the same time. I do apologize for the technical difficulties. Uh, and usually I, I blame the uh, technical difficulties with the show on Rusty, and I can do it again. <laughs> uh, come on, Rusty, come back. And she still hasn't answered my text. So <laughs> where do we go from here? Let me go back to my notes, and I will go to my weird news. My weird news, a truck carrying millions of honeybees to a Washington State blueberry farm overturned on a highway Friday, spilling hides across the asphalt and triggering a large cleanup and rescue operation. Many of the bees were killed in the pre pre-dawn accident, which the, which the truck's 36-year-old driver said, was caused by a blown tire as he merged onto Interstate 5 in Linwood. NBC affiliate King 5 reported a Washington State Patrol spokesman said the driver may have been speeding. In the truck were 458 hives, each containing anywhere from 26,000 to 30,000 bees. I heard it was twenty two million. Where, where, where were you? Where were you? Skype, I, I was wondering out here. Sorry, Skype booted me, and I have no idea where it booted me because I was on a different uh, different window. And when I went to go call back, uh, Rose was signed in, <laughs> so I think she might have booted me. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't. I I have no idea. But anyway, I'm back. Well, so I did start my weird news, and we can go back to health news because I was trying to fill up the time. Okay. That comes out to 12 million bees, yeah. maybe more. State police yeah. at the scene told the station. Fire crews 
doused in spilled cargo with a fire hide, fire retardant, which killed many of the bees. King Five yeah. reported beekeepers worked hours to contain the net, the rest. Firefighters hosed mounds of dead bees from the highway. You said, though, you told me that you had just missed this accident. Yeah, it was. Uh, I had to. I had to do an early thing. I was actually at a friend's house uh, overnight, and I'm like, oh, I I need to like go out to Linwood and Shoreline, and then I got to get to work, right? Um, well, not work, but I got to get to the studio. Um, and it was about like five fifteen in the morning or something like that. And then I heard on the radio that like this truck like fell over and like bees are all over the place and are stinging people and stuff. And I guess there was like a a news crew out there and there are bees all over the place. And I'm like, hmm, sucks sucks to be them. But oh my gosh, yes, you know the. the just this weekend has just been sucky for everything. I mean, you've got the bees, and then they had to close like I ninety, and then like cars like blowing up and and on fire everywhere. And it's like really, it just it just makes for ugly traffic. <laughs> <laughs> just makes for ugly traffic. Oh my goodness! Wow. So the 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 concern though over here is that with that many bees, it kind of um. It kind of uh, puts a, a damper in uh, the pollination process. However, a friend of mine that actually raises bees says that um, the bees that that got like killed and escaped or whatever were kind of done for anyway because they were already used um, in other places and they were kind of like toward the end of their life anyway. Uh, but still, you know, it's kind of like wow. So poor bees. <laughs> I know, but did you imagine being allergic to them and being in that? Not, no, that could have killed you know, people. Exactly. That's that's a worse nightmare. Um, and you know, and in fact, I think that I mean, I haven't been stung since the last time I've been stung, but I've gotten allergic to a <laughs> lot of stuff since then. Do you just know how that sounded? You Only haven't you been would stung go since there. the last time you got stung. Uh, well, <laughs> only you would go there anyway. <laughs> oh, get your mind out the gutter, bro. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> I guess I haven't been stung by a bee since the first time I got stung because I've never been I'd never been stung by a bee or a wasp or a hornet until about like ten years ago, and since then. I've been I've gotten allergic to everything from like uh like chemicals, you know, like air freshener. You know, if air freshener gets on my skin, that's it. It's like really <laughs> I'm allergic to chapstick now. Chapstick. Wow. Beeswax. It's like yeah, my whole face will break out if I put on chapstick. It's it's nuts. But anyhow, so I forgot where I left off <laughs> for, for Pama. But anyway, uh, women warrior friends out there, just go to Pama.org, P-A-W-M-A.org, to get a list of all the uh, uh, teachers that will be teaching great martial arts at our Pama camp August 14th through the 17th. All right. Well, with that said, I guess we can move on to the health news. Here we go. More so health 
tips this week. These are the worst foods to eat when you're sick. Now, there's a lot, so I'm just going to only do a couple, but I'll uh, go ahead and post a link on the Dynamic Dojo Facebook page after I'm done. Now, you know, when you're sick, um, your body's telling you something. It's trying to get rid of crap. And uh, whatever you put in your body uh, will affect how you heal yourself. So, for example, um, if you're stuffed up, right, uh, whether it's from cold, flu, sinus infection, or allergies, or whatever. Um, uh, when you're stuffed up, it's because the blood vessel, blood vessels in your nose are inflamed, right? And it makes it hard to breathe. Um, now, every every spring, I, I get the stuffies and stuff like that. Don't you too, Bob? Do you have you have allergies, right? Bob, I was um, on mute. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> I do have allergies. Yes. Okay. Um, so, you know, the, depending on what causes it, it stuffed up noses are because of inflamed, uh, inflamed blood vessels in, in your nose. Now, aside from inhaling steam, um, or using a humidifier, if you're stopped up due to mucus, okay, some foods can help. So the best foods to eat, okay, um, this is something called golden milk and it sounds kind of weird, uh, but it's, uh, uh, it includes turmeric, Okay, and turmeric um, is known for its anti-inflammatory properties. You want to place about mm, two cups of coconut or almond milk, one teaspoon of dried turmeric, one teaspoon dried ginger, dash of black pepper, and honey to taste. Bring to a simmer and allow to sit for 10 minutes and serve warm. And apparently this really helps bring down um, the inflammation in your nose. Um, Now, worst foods. Because you're stuffed up, you want to skip on anything dairy. So cow's milk, don't do it. Involves coconut milk or almond milk. You want to avoid spicy foods and sugar, all of which can aggravate your symptoms. All right. Now, what if you have a runny nose, not a stuffed up one? Okay. So that runny nose where you're just like pouring out like a faucet. It's gross. Okay. Uh, best foods. To eat if you have a runny nose is uh, wakaya ginger tea. Um, ginger contains antioxidants and anti-inflammatory properties that may help clear up a cold faster than just waiting it out. You also want to try apple cider vinegar, or sorry, apple cider and lemon in water works well too. Now the worst foods, spicy foods, duh, because it'll make your make your nose run, <laughs> and alcohol. So I don't know about those uh, hot toddies. I don't know if that'll help. Okay, one more. Your how about if your entire body is achy? Um, now, foods that ease muscle aches depend on the specific reason why your body aches. Now, our bodies can be achy due to the onset of cold or flu, or just plain workout soreness. Now, for general muscle aches. Foods containing magnesium or calcium may help ease the soreness. So best foods to eat when you're achy. Magnesium-containing foods include nuts, bananas, beans, leafy greens, and avocados. Foods high in calcium, such as canned salmon, yogurt, dark leafy greens, and orange juice fortified with calcium also lessen muscle cramping and pain. The worst foods to eat or anything that dehydrates you, <laughs> particularly alcohol and caffeine. 
So that's it for my health tips. I'll go ahead and paste the rest of the article on the Dynamic Dojo Facebook page. All right. So let's move on with Bob's Weird News. Okay. Are you on mute again? Bob? Shoot. Yes, I was. <laughs> uh, but I already did weird news. When you oh, vanished. that's right. That's right. See, you know, technical difficulties just, like, mess everything up. Okay. How about entertainment news? Sofa Vergara happens to be the hottest woman on TV. Last year, she between commercials and Modern Family, she made like 30 mil last year. Oh, well, man. It comes to, to, a, to a time in her life where she's got a tricky decision to make. There is a fertilized egg sitting around that could produce a baby she doesn't want. Mm. But she doesn't want to anger the right to life people by destroying it. Business situations like why worry who you're going to anger? Just do the right thing. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. Now, Sophia's lawyer told people Vergara has suggested that she wished to have the embryos destroyed, adding she has always mentioned that uh, that they be kept frozen. Mm-hmm. It seems strange on the surface. If she doesn't want a baby, baby why not destroy the embryo? Mm-hmm. Sources close to Sophia tell TMZ there is no way this baby will be born. Sophia wants nothing to do with Nick, which is her estranged fiance, mm-hmm. and is about to marry Joe Manglanello. The problem, she doesn't want to piss off a lot of her fan base which believes life is created at inception. So, we're told Sophia's solution is right in the contract, which says both parties have to agree to have the baby and both sides have to agree to destroy the embryo. She Mm -hmm. will agree to neither, which means the baby will will not be born. Hmm. That's a strange. Nobody should have to make that decision. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah, and and that that just sounds like something that all the right to lifers are gonna uh, to get in there with. So, oh my goodness, wow, <laughs> wow, wow, wow. All righty. Well, let's do this. Let's go ahead and take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll be speaking with Mikaele Armstrong. And a little bit later on, we're going to be also joined by Kumalua Michelle Manu, who is the ambassador and uh, Masters Hall of Fame board member that nominated him. So don't go away, folks. We'll be right back after this. A boy born in Joplin, Missouri, was fascinated by anything with wheels and a motor. The odds of him going on to fascinate millions with his talent? One in 260,000. The odds of him having 15 career NASCAR victories? One in 1.7 million. The odds of a child being diagnosed with autism? One in 68. I'm Jamie McMurray, and my niece has autism. Learn more at autismspeaks.org signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. 
lot of kids in my neighborhood have really bullied me. There's these teenagers around my neighborhood who sometimes just ride around us on their bikes calling calling us swear words and like throwing stuff at us. He grabbed my jacket just to get in line first and he was running after me and then he grabbed me by the hood and I started choking. I wasn't doing anything. He called me gay because he didn't like me. Bullying is wrong because it like hurts people's feelings and it makes you feel bad about yourself. It can make someone feel uncomfortable and scare them and make them not want to go back to school. It lowers their self-esteem. And it doesn't just always hurt on the outside. It also hurts on the inside. But do you know what I say when he's bothering me? I say, don't do that. If you don't stop, then I'll go tell the teacher. Stop. Could you please not do that anymore? Stop. Stop bullying. This is not cool. Hi folks, this is Ristita De Jesus of Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio. And I just want to send a shout out to a good friend of the Dynamic Dojo show, Mr. Justin Harvey. Now Justin's got two big passions in the world, and those are radio and martial arts. A student of Frank Duke's, Justin is a true student of the arts. Now Justin has cerebral palsy, but that doesn't stop him at all. In fact, If somebody says that something can't be done, Justin will just get out there and do it, no matter what. He's the host of The Justin Harvey Show and has had guests such as Cynthia Rothrock, Frank Dukes, Ernie Reyes Sr. and Jr., Eric Lee, and many more. The Justin Harvey Show is syndicated on iTunes, so what are you waiting for? Go check it out. Hi, this is Frank Dukes. This is T.J. Douglas Wong. Hi, this is Kumu Lua, Michelle Manu, and you're listening to Rosita and Bob on the Dynamic Dojo Radio Show. The only place to be to get the real scoop on the real things that are going on in the martial arts world. Do you have an idea for a guest or a topic that you'd like to hear on the Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio Show? If you do... You can email your suggestions and ideas to dynamicdojoradiohost at gmail.com or you can also post it on the Dynamic Dojo Facebook page. You're listening to the Dynamic Dojo Show with Restita and Robert, your source for martial arts talk radio. If you're just now tuning in, this is Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio with Rosita and Robert. Our phone number here is 347-677-0699. So if you want to call in and talk to us and our special guest today, feel free during our Sunday brunch show. Or if you don't want to call in and don't want to spend on long distance or anything like that, you can check out our chat board on our blog talk radio show marquee. It's uh just underneath our uh, main show marquee. Just got to scroll down a little bit. Now, Bob, do people even have to pay long distance these days with cell phones and stuff like that? <laughs> you know, no, I don't think they do. I don't think so Everything's either. Everything's included. That's right. <laughs> All righty. So I'd like to take this time to introduce our special guest. Our special guest is uh, Mika L. Armstrong, and he's got 
experience in many martial arts. Um, he is a Godon, fifth-degree black belt, in American Kempo Bujitsu under Professor Ron Bradbury and has experience in other martial arts such as Okinawan Goji-ru, Beikoku Aibujitsu-ru, uh, Hangar, uh, Wing Chun, Pikiri Tirsha, um, just just so many, <laughs> so many things. So please help me welcome to the show Mikaele Armstrong. Mikaele, aloha, how are you? Aloha, great to be here. Thanks for joining us and taking the time out of your schedule. Right on. Not a problem. So what, what we'd like to start off with is um, if we could have you tell our listeners a little bit about your start in the martial arts, what got you started in the martial arts, and uh, what attracted what attracted you to it? Um, initially, it really wasn't just for martial arts. I was a big kid, and I wanted to play basketball. I needed flexibility and coordination. Mm. And then I was like, well, you know, and, and I'd seen Bruce Lee movies and Kung Fu Theater and all that. I said, well, let's try martial arts. Mm-hmm. So we decided to do that, and then once I got going, I just really enjoyed it. And after my athletic career was over, I just that's why I was laughter. Very it wasn't cool. You don't... That I, oh, I, I just love martial arts. I just want to do that. It wasn't like my passion to start with. It kind of evolved. Very cool. You don't you know you don't meet very many people that get into it for another sport <laughs> you know what i mean that's very cool because you know a lot of the kids i knew you know uh back then you know they got into it because they saw teenage mutant ninja turtles or karate kid or they got picked on or something like that right um so that that's very cool that you that part of your interest in in martial arts was based on gaining flexibility because a lot of people miss miss out on the other stuff that martial arts teaches so that's very cool Awesome. Of course, so what, now, now I've, I've come full circle because now I have no flexibility. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, a, years of weight, weightlifting and, you know, and <laughs> Yeah, well, me and Bob know about losing the flexibility. <laughs> That's for sure. Like Sifu Bob's back, my back. <laughs> it's It's awful. <laughs> Now, um, so you got started in, um, was it Goju-Ru or? Yes. I'm sorry. I'm like trying to. Oh, right on. And uh, how long did you do Goju-Ru? I did that for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, as I got further along in sports, I kind of got away from it. Mm-hmm. And then when I got out of school, I went back and uh, I didn't know if I wanted to go back to that or really what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And that's why I tried all the different. That's why I have all the different experiences because I was trying to find you know what fit me, mm-hmm. where was my niche, if you will. And uh, it, it took me a while to find it, but along the way, I gained a lot of experience, mm-hmm. understanding of different styles and what different people were doing, and I think it really helped me in the end. Hmm. Very cool. Awesome. Bob, do you have any uh, questions? I think the second question might be for you, I think. Did you I, get I, the second question? I think question? maybe. Yeah. Now, now, uh, <laughs> now do, do you uh, have, have a brick-and-mortar school at this current time, Akila? Do I have what? 
do you have a uh, storefront school now that you teach out of? No, I uh, I don't teach at the, at the moment, other than um, a few seminar type things. I have friends that that own schools, and I'll go and and do little seminar setups with them. I just started uh, oh last September training in Lua, and so I'm you know kind of greedy. I'm trying to get my own knowledge base built up. So mm-hmm. I haven't actually done my, a lot of teaching. Well, it sounds like that's where I was at about 30 years ago. I was just teaching for friends. I was going around teaching in different schools. I was about 20 years ago. Uh, There is absolutely nothing wrong with that. There's a lot of headache to having a brick-and-mortar type uh, uh, retail school. Right, Rusty? (laughs) Yep, yep. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I've I've had a lot of people that that I know ask me, you know, if I would teach a class. I tell them, you know, I just really don't have the time right now because I'm still trying to, you know, get, gain my own knowledge. So eventually I will, but at the moment I'm still I'm still learning. That's very cool. That's very cool. Um, now I had a, I had a question. Um, I, I understand you've got some experience in Beikoku Aibujutsu. Um, for so for our listeners out there that are unfamiliar with that, <laughs> me included, can you tell us a little bit about Beikoku Aibujutsu? It's basically it's an aikijutsu. It's oh, a, okay. a version that it's a mixture of you know um, Saitoru and several other schools of jujitsu. Oh, cool! Very so. So it's more more along the lines of like a kodi like old school. Does it follow more of an old school? Uh, yeah. Curriculum. Okay. But yeah, they do some sword work and things as well. That's cool, actually, because you know, you know, as we all know nowadays, you know, the big, big key word nowadays is Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu (BJJ), right? And you know, and, and you don't hear about, you know, Koryu Jiu-Jitsu very, very often anymore. You know, and even if you do, you know, a lot of fanboy MMA fanboys will be like, ah, traditional Jiu-Jitsu, that ain't nothing. So yeah, I, I'm a traditional traditionalist at heart, so I'm always at- attracted to to the traditional stuff. That's very cool. Awesome. Yeah, I'm the same way. I've never done any kind of type of competitions. Uh, I train, you know, to defend myself and for the, the knowledge. You know, a lot, a lot about the human body, mm-hmm. and how it works, and how it reacts, and how to defeat it, and how to heal it, and that, that's why I'm in it for. I'm, I never was concerned about trophies or anything else. So, mm-hmm. more just a survival. Yeah, well, you know, exactly. And uh, you know, I know that Bob uh, agrees with with me as 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 uh, well as other uh, of our friends and listeners out there that you know martial arts was technically all of you know and it still is all about the self preservation and combat aspects and and stuff like that and you know some might argue that well without competition how are you going to know if your combat skills are going to work so you know i guess it's all based on on what somebody chooses wouldn't you think well my theory on that is competitions have lots of rules yeah in the street there is no rules Mm -hmm. there are no rules if you're and I, i use Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, I mean, they're great at what they do, and I love it. 
But as far as self-defense, if you're on top of somebody working for a choke and arm bar, somebody's going to kick you in the head. Right. Somebody you never saw. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that, that's my view on it. I mean, and, and I don't bash them. I mean, that's, they're they're wonderful, you know, martial artists. It's just for me and my ideas that doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. Understandable. Understandable. You, you have to have a totally different mentality going into a competition as opposed to life and death. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think the I think the motivation definitely is different uh, between the two. <laughs> you know, you've got like win a, winning a match versus like, oh, I don't know, walking away with my life. You know, and, exactly. and it's uh, yeah, and and it it's totally different. And um, however, you know, I, I've read about uh, people that um, in the competition world that actually blur the lines between the two, right? I mean, you know, you get so many just horrendous injuries, um, you know, from from people that just have this mentality of, if you get in the ring with me, I'm going to completely tear your head off your shoulders, you know, that kind of thing. And <laughs> it, <laughs> unfortunately, we only see those kind of people on YouTube, uh, <laughs> commenting on YouTube. But it's kind of like, wow, you know, I mean, it's kind of like, uh, it, it, it's just so weird. And even then, you know, does it really, you know, uh, overlap, right? You know, uh, they're like me, for example, I, I had a, uh, I went through a phase where I was doing a lot of, a lot of kajakembo and no competition at all, no sparring, no semi-contact, not even forms. And uh, then when I got back into competition, it was really tough to to spar with a point sparring mentality i you know i got disqualified a lot because i'd be going for joints or kicking at legs or you know hitting groins and stuff like that and um and i thought wow i thought this was going to be easy to get right back into it and it's not um it's it's it is it's a completely different mindset so for people out there that think oh well when I'm in the ring, I'm just going to pull some punches. And when I'm in the street, I'm going to, you know, really go all out. It's, you know, what happens in drill happens for real. Yeah, you your know? mindset is your mindset. You can't flip-flop. Exactly. Exactly. I actually have friends, my friends that run an MMA school, and um, they'll say, well, you know, what, what if you're in this, this situation, what if I was doing this? Mm-hmm. I had to point out to him. I said, "Well, one, it's one thing when you're in in a cage. I said, when you're on the street, my thumb is going in your eye, and you won't have an arm bar, right? Because you have my thumb in your eye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you can pull my thumb out of your eye, then you can have an arm bar. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's funny. <laughs> All righty, Bob." <laughs> <laughs> Off to you, buddy. You got the next question. Wow. <laughs> wow. Summing up. I love that, though. I know. Uh, you know, you were nominated in Madison Hall of Fame by Pumalu and Michelle Mana, which I love this woman. Her and I are, like, really good friends. I talked to her last night on the phone. What was your first impression when you heard that she wanted to nominate you in Masters? Um, kind of surprised. Because she didn't really know me very well. I'd corresponded some with her through because I started training in Lua. And uh, of course, all the uh, Kumus know each other 
and that uh, I contacted her, asking her questions and and such, and then she said she would nominate me. I was like, really? Wow! And uh, it was kind of, kind of shock, actually. I guess. Well, mm-hmm. and do you realize? Okay, now I'm going to throw a wrench into this. Do you realize you are her only nominee? Yes, she told me that. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, you're the man. You're it. That's cool. That is is actually really, really cool. There's a a process learning you've been nominated. You go through doubts. You wonder if this this, uh, ambassador is on drugs because they nominated you. Uh, then you you figure well there's so many more deserving people that that's the common thing I hear is mm-hmm. so much more so many more deserving people than I than than I am to receive this kind of prestigious award. I mean when I nominated Rousey, she thought I was just nuts. <laughs> I'm like this is a joke, right? <laughs> this is a joke, right? You're pulling my leg. <laughs> well, that's kind of the way I felt when I was promoted to master level. I thought, Master? Me? Really? I was like, mm-hmm. I'm not Pime A, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. When I heard Master, that's, that's what the image that went in my head was some, you know, all-knowing elder. So, mm-hmm. but, 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 you know, I just, I, I just keep learning and whatever comes my way comes my way, you know? I don't really seek notoriety, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But it, it now, but, um, you know, I'm flattered, and I'm, you know, it's great to be acknowledged for the hard work. Now I understand because you and I talked. We're putting together a, a bowling night on Thursday the, before the Masters, and you're taxiing all over the place when you're here. I'm That's what? a big. That's a big thing in L.A. to be taking a taxi everywhere. Yeah, because I wasn't about to try and drive. <laughs> I'm, taking, I'm taking a shuttle to the, to, the, to the Roosevelt, and that's where I'm staying. And I was like, however I can, wherever I can get my taxi from there is where I'll go. Now, uh, how long are you going to be here? Uh, I will come in Tuesday the 2nd. I fly back out uh, Monday, the following Monday. Is the eighth. Very oh, cool. So, what are your plans while you're here? Um, I don't really have any right off hand. I was hoping to visit a couple of schools and just see what you know what's going on in in the martial arts world there in L.A. It's going to be a culture shock compared to Oklahoma. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> here on the plane, it's really boring. You know, you can be people like Gene LaBelle, Goldcourt Tabitian, Emil Farkas, that's been in the same location for 45 years. He's not far from the Roosevelt. And one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to see the way they, because he's old school. I mean, he's been he's been training since like the 50s. Yep. Yeah. It, it's, now, I don't it's know if there's thousands and thousands of schools. I was like, I'll see what all is close and maybe just go visit and just take it in. Yeah, and there's a lot to do while you're here. You know, I've taken Rusty on the Hollywood tour, the museums, Universal. We've, we've every time she comes out of here, we're we're busy just doing stuff. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Why don't you got the, uh, the History Museum as well? Oh, oh, I'm glad you Definitely. said that. Your dinner ticket, now I'm not saying just go in, but your dinner ticket also gave you entry into the museum at no charge. Okay. Okay. How cool is that? Uh, but also, you know, they're non-profit. Yeah, well, they're out. Maybe buy a shirt, buy a hat, you know, support them a little bit. Yeah, I actually, I actually joined them a few months ago and contributed and got a uh, membership or what have you. Oh, you did? Oh, very cool. Yeah. So you get it regardless. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what were you out here for last? What was that, Bob? What What were you out here for last time? Oh, well, I wasn't. I wasn't there. I, I just did it over the internet. I just joined. Oh, great. There. Okay. Very just cool. That, that, that's totally cool because you know he's trying to preserve something that we just don't have. Mm-hmm. We don't have a history museum like that anywhere. Right. And it's very well done. Russ has seen it a couple times. You know, they just unveiled the. One of the actual coats from D- the David Carradine wore on the Kung Fu TV series. And it's only about three. In fact, I may go there today. It's only about a mile from my house. Yeah, it's not far. So very at all. cool. So what, what attracted you to Lua? Why did you pick up Lua like you did? Um, being involved in Kempo, and even though it's not... The, the style of Kempo that I do isn't the same as, say, uh, Parker Kempo. Mm-hmm. There are you see you see you can see some things that are similar, and I know there's there's a lot of Lua in Parker Kempo and you know in Hawaiian Roots, and I just happened to look on the the web page and there's a school here in Oklahoma. And I was in shock. I was like, wow, that's something I'd like to do. And the weapons are are very unique. It's not a it's not a uh, everyday everyday thing. You can't just find a school anywhere. I thought that would be a really neat thing to learn. Just you know, it's very rare. Yeah, those that, that, those weapons are like crazy cool. The first time I saw these weapons with uh, when Kumu Michelle brought them, I was like. Holy moly, I want all of it. <laughs> this is like this is crazy cool. <laughs> and I like it it hasn't been like watered down. It's still yeah, ethical. Mm-hmm. As far as combat goes. Oh, I, I those cool. weapons were I, I love the application aspect. Mhm. Kumalu and Michelle did a seminar for me at the Masters last year, and it was insane. It was incredible. I, I loved it. And, of course, guess who she happened to pick as her ookie? Yeah, I was going to say, there, there were a couple of those weapons that were shoved down your throat. <laughs> yeah. It was like, yeah, don't piss Michelle off today because I'm going to be working with her. That's yeah. right. <laughs> Well, speaking of Kumalu and Michelle, we've got uh, we've got her on the line. Let's see if we can bring her on. Let me uh, Kumu Michelle. Let me press that X so I just connect her first. <laughs> Let's not. <laughs> Kumu Michelle, hi. Hey. Hi. Hi there. <laughs> oh my gosh, you guys are hysterical. 
about, you know, Lua and the weapons and your experience. I love it all. I think that you'd make our, our Alohi very proud um, because that's how you promoted the R. No, really, you know, it isn't watered down. So it's just exciting to be able to teach something that was um, forbidden and secret, you know, for for so long and has been fought to, to against bringing it out. Now we're just able to share. Some of us that have permission are able to share. And it's just wonderful to see the response. And um, I don't know, for an ancient art, for it to still be very applicable to today on the street, of course, not talking point mm-hmm. far in Rosita. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, it's just wonderful to hear that. It's being well received. Yeah. I actually yeah, of course, my first experience with, with Lua was on the ground for the most part. <laughs> Put you in the pit. That's what it's about. Keep <laughs> her Bob in the pit. <laughs> <laughs> she hit me in the jaw. That was always fun. Oh, oh yeah. Sugar just love taps. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you, you just love the hell out of me that day. I do. I love you, Bob. <laughs> you know, it's going to be fun. I, I hope when, um, like, Ellie is in town that we'll be, I'll be able to have some time with him. Are you up for that? We just uh, we talked a little bit on Facebook through Messenger, and, and I'd love to work with him, but I really don't want him showing up with any scratches or bruises to the event. That wouldn't be good. Oh, and he doesn't <laughs> want to work with you. No, yeah, that's I've, not I've very nice of you to say that. That's not nice. I've heard the stories on here. That's not nice. Yeah. So I didn't want to show up with a black eye and a broken arm. No, no broken arms. Just a little bit of, couple <laughs> bruises. You know, that just happened. Yeah. That's uh, par for the course. Yeah? That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> he signed yeah. my waiver. We're all good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, those, <laughs> every time I went to every time I went to Kajikenbo class, it was kind of like, oh, what will happen today? Yeah. Either I get really good at fading with the strike, mm-hmm. or I just get hit and realize, hey, well, maybe I should like put my hands up. So <laughs> yeah, it's just crappy exactly. art for sure. You're gonna you're yeah. gonna make contact and lots of it. So yep, I love it. That's that's awesome. Very cool. Well, yeah. hey, Michelle, be, you know what? We've we've put together a night for the for our inductees, pretty much, to go bowling. Would that be something you'd be interested in on Thursday night? Because you know, Michaela's gonna, gonna not gonna have a car. I know, and I'm gonna try to arrange my schedule so I can kind of be his chauffeur. I might even buy a little hat too, but um, <laughs> 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 a little chauffeur hat, yeah. That's right. <laughs> Um, but yeah, well, I'm, my I'm son's practice. hooking this up on Thursday night, so you're more than welcome to come. Oh well, thank you. I might. I've, I've obviously Lua practitioner, so I've broken every finger, so it's kind of difficult to bowl, but I can and make a fool of myself. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, you and me will make fools of ourselves because I can't bowl worth crap. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll bowl like crap together, Zita. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Oh great! We can so now. Rusty just, I got to share this, Rusty. She just sent me a text because mm-hmm. I'm a moron. Uh-oh. She spells out his name uh, <laughs> phonetically for me. Yes. Because I'm screwing it up. <laughs> Miguel, Sorry. Do, you, do, you have, do you have a nickname we can call you? You, you can call me Michael. There you go. See, there that's you go, easy Mom. for me. <laughs> there you go, Bob. There you go. Michael. Uh, I'm Michael go. from the Halley Boys. 
<laughs> that Howie boy, yeah. Timo, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So, so Michelle, now, do you Michelle, have since we got you on the line, what, yeah. what prompted you or what experience or what steps did you take to induct Michael and know that he was the right person? You know, I communicate with quite a few people. And, in fact, lately I've been getting over 100 Facebook invites a day that I have to sift through and try to get a feel for who these people are and if it's a fake profile. And you wouldn't believe how many masters have pornography on their Facebook. It's actually disgusting to me. So do that fine. Create a a personal profile. But when you've got kids and, you know, uh, know, pictures of your children, uh, your kids' students on there, and it's just a bad mix. But anyway, um, so – um, we started communicating, and he's he's an avid distant student. Uh, that's the way I see it. For me, um, he had he's just amazingly relentless on asking questions about history and the art and women's role and men's role and uh, all sorts of things. And he's a great resource for me too, um, as far as talking about language and um, history breakdown. And we have a lot of discussions. I think there were more discussions when we first started talking, but his love for learning and his existing training, uh, his past and what he was doing at the time um, really just made him stand out to me and, I guess his personality and his spirit. I could tell that he's a pure spirit. He wasn't coming to me in ego or fabricating anything. He was really just that dry sponge that wanted to be, that needed water. And like you said, it is kind of rare, and a lot of us Kumas do know each other because um, there's just not a lot of us um, that are purely Lua. So something happened. I just realized when I was thinking about nominations, he really just stood out. And I spent time in prayer and meditation. And during a run on the beach is when it really came. Like, I think that he'd be a really great nominee. And so um, we had some more communications. And I just wanted to make sure that I was on the right path with selecting him. And I think it was a couple weeks later I asked him if he would be interested. And he was shocked and (laughs) um, had a couple (laughs) questions. And... From there, he provided information about his, you know, specific information about his training, you know, for the nomination form. Um, And I just, I put it together and slapped some photos in there, and um, he was accepted. And I received an email from Dana earlier this week that, you know, he's all good to go. So it's going to be an honor to have him there with us. Um, you know, he's in Oklahoma. There, there isn't as much opportunity to train in Lua like there is here or, say, in Hawaii. So I, I do hope to have some mat time with him. Or not mat time because we don't use mats. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah. Some floor time? Yeah, I think that I'm really looking forward to meeting him in person. And uh, I hope you feel the same way, Mikali. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I can't wait to meet everybody. I mean, it's going to be like, maybe like a kid at Christmas. <laughs> Good. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Now, I, um, for some reason, I might have missed, uh, you know, how you discovered Lua. Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. Did you, like, did you see um, it at a seminar or um, did you get introduced no, I, to I, it I, under one of your training partners? I, I had heard of it just through – often my training, I always research things. I have a lot of videos. I, I just 
not to learn from, just to see what different arts are doing. Mm-hmm. And I've heard of it, but I hadn't seen any of it. And uh, I got I got curious, especially once I met, you know, my uh, family in Hawaii. That I never, you know, I didn't know that they existed until just a few years ago. And so I got interested and started looking. And I saw over to school here. And I looked up a couple of videos on YouTube and went from there. Very cool. You know, and this sort of goes out to Michelle. I've always been curious, Michelle. Is there a ranking that's that's dedicated to Lua, not like the typical white, yellow succession of, of belts? What's the ranking like in Lua? Good question. You know, it is... Oh, yeah, true. Um, it is very traditional. Uh, it's different than what it was back in the day because, of course, you know, for it to be a business and for people to learn, uh, Alohi did create color belts and, of course, a black belt ranking system. Um, the highest is uh, 12th degree in our art. And because Alohi is third generation Alohi, he has a lot of discretion. So mm-hmm. even though you do the time and you come and train, if you're not ready, he is not promoting you. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's other times where someone comes and works really hard and he feels that they're ready for promotion and some of us other humans don't feel the same way. So mm-hmm. um, <laughs> it's really up to Alohe, you know, mm-hmm. um, how he ranks everyone. And, you know, he'll be 80 this year and, and it's still very fiery and crabby and wonderful and like our father. <laughs> so, you know, he um, he's going to continue to do what he does until he leaves. So. Now, you, you know, had a, a rite of passage, Michelle, to, to say the least. Uh, is, is there more women involved in Lua today than when you started? No. Um, there are some in Mexico, and I think they're on his website. It's not updated, but I think they're on the website as black. Um, as far as I know, they don't teach. I've never met one. And um, there are more now because I'm teaching, but it's different mm-hmm. than just Lua. It's also Hula that's involved. So it's a totally different approach and style of teaching. It's use, using the non-contact to learn the contact. And, mm-hmm. you know, yesterday was an amazing day because one of my students who is a former football player and a cyclist, she's just so heavy in every way, just hard and really could not get the lower half, the kani, to match with the wahini, the upper half of the body. And yesterday after class, she called me. She just said, today was the first day that I feel like I was a plank on water. I could act- I'm could, actually in tune with my body now to where I feel my energy move. And it's not just a punch. It's that follow-through and setting up to the next move. Because um, it's just very calculated the way Lua is, and nothing's wasted, kind of like the Hawaiian people. You know, you fish. If you're not going to eat all of it, you keep it in your net and you keep it in the water, and that's, you know, nature's natural icebox. And so mm-hmm. it's kind of the same translation into the way that we fight or dance or anything we do. We're, we're very wise with our energy output and our mana exertion, and uh, mana meaning power. And um, so that was just wonderful to hear. And she said, I wasn't attracted to hula. I just don't care for it. She's like, but it's growing on me, and it's starting to become a really big mm-hmm. part of my training. And and that was just amazing to me that there's that breakthrough, you know. And um, so I'm teaching a lot differently um, than Alohe would teach. When it is lua, it's very similar. I'm 
it's like what we experienced back at the last you know hall of fame seminar mm-hmm. it's on when it's lua it's lua when it's when it's hula it's not when you mix like yesterday i mixed you know the hula connie the bottom half and the lua upper half the woman so it's really confusing their brain and it's difficult <laughs> and i see <laughs> i see the frustration and but i see them like uh you know our guests here being relentless and pushing through and trying and so it's just really neat to see the difference. There aren't many women that are involved. Mm-hmm. Now, Michael, you you studied many arts in the past. What are you gaining, or what is different about your training in Lua than what you've experienced in the past? I think the uh, the cultural connection. Mm-hmm. I was really. I loved when uh, Aloha came and he did a seminar here and I was able to sit down and talk with him because when he teaches, you're learning a lot more than just techniques. Mm-hmm. He's, you're learning culture, you're learning history. You're, I mean, you learn a lot more than just fighting techniques. It's really, he's really a throwback to another time. Mm-hmm. I love mean, cool. going to... I mean, you learn movements, and that's that's it. Well, and, and what do you yeah. feel about? Do you get? Is there a different dynamicism uh, uh, than your traditional uh, hardcore hard style? Um, not really. The uh, the tempo that I practice is, is similar. Uh, the only difference is, you know, we don't do a lot of joint locking, arts of striking. You know, striking vital areas. We don't do a lot of locks. So this that's been the biggest adjustment. You know, basically jacking somebody up and then grabbing a limb and <laughs> stuff like that. You, you know, usually I just want to plow through them with strikes. It's been an, it's quite an adjustment to, you know, start off one way and then and then go to uh, locks. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that's interesting you said that. I want to bring up a topic then. Uh, traditional, and I've seen a lot of instructors, I've never liked the way locks are taught. Be, and and I'll, I'll, I'll preface, that's my preface right there. I don't like the way locks are taught because they're taught really traditional, where in Lua, it's like, it's, it's, okay, I'll put it this way, it's like trapping. Trapping in martial arts is accidental not incidental. You can't make it happen. So when they teach locks, they're like, well, you do this technique, this technique, this technique, and in lieu it's like, you hit them, and then you apply the lock because they can't stop it once they're hit. Right, Michelle? Yeah, you're correct. It's setting up. Um, and so, like, the cutoff of the body is from the waist down, it's the man or the connie. From the waist up, it's the wahini, the woman. And the arms are the children, and the kids are the grandchildren. So everyone's going to be doing something or, you know, it just doesn't work well. You're going to set yourself up to be just obliterated. But Mm -hmm. with that, everyone is doing something. So we hit the hand instead of the weapon to set up for that lock. So Mm -hmm. it is. It's a progression. And it's a fluid work of progression, too. Like, you know, like, you know, like Bob said, you know, a lot of uh, traditional teaching methods, not necessarily the traditional technique, but the traditional uh, the teaching methods that some people use to teach these traditional techniques are static. 
Um, mm-hmm. and, and combat right, right. is never static, right? Never. So, and that's what I like about Lua and uh, like Tai Chi is the same way. You know, we work through uh, push hands so that way you're dealing with energy rather than a static lump of weight because <laughs> that's that's impossible. So that's uh, that's uh, really that's really cool. I think a lot of people too um, don't realize that you get to train to fight against somebody who has experience. Mm-hmm. The average mm-hmm. Joe, the average Joe, you could probably pull most things off with. Somebody who has sure. training and, and knows how to throw their hands and has hand speed and mm-hmm. and whatnot. I mean, you're not going to pull things off. Right. Yeah, so at that point, it has to be, like, fluid progression. Now, for for Michelle and Mikaela, for both of you, um, speaking of fluid progression, I want to bring Hula into the into the mix again. Uh, Michelle, do you find that, you know, when you teach um, the men uh, that are not Hawaiian or not f- uh, familiar with Hawaiian culture, do you find that sometimes you get, like, kind of like, kind of like that sideways look when when you incorporate Hula into your training? <laughs> it's actually worse than that. I mean, it's that look oh. like someone smelled something foul. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, what? That's, that, you know, what we would say, Mahu or gay, and it's not yeah, gay. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's not. <laughs> Definitely. Um, it's actually, yeah, no, it's much harder than these guys realize, and I think that's why they shy away from it, too. They're thinking of the cellophane grass skirts and the coconut bras and shaking Exactly. It. Yeah, you know the the kani or the kahiko uh, hula is very rigid, but yet there's a flow. It's very serious. There's no smiling, and you can actually see the the fighting techniques um, mm-hmm. and strikes and locks and trips and um, throws inside of the hula. Mm-hmm. So if they would change their perception of it, they would yeah. actually become much more um, effective martial artists in every so, way. So Michelle. You just said something I was going to ask you. So, doing the hula, it is, you're telling us it is an actual visual. You, it's not like ghost techniques. You can't see the application. You can actually see it when they when it's you done can right. See it. You can see it, but you don't know you're seeing it unless you mm-hmm. know the lua. Then, if you know the lua and you know some of the techniques, you it, you look, watch a hula and you'll be like, oh my gosh, that, look at that. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. If you know hula and you know lua, then you can say, oh, my gosh, that's lua in the hula. So it's like they're so connected. It's uh, mm-hmm. They can't be separated, and yet we do that. We, you know, it's either hula girls don't know that they're doing techniques and mm-hmm. because it's non-contact. They don't even know that that's a strike, and that's where you would exhale and, and actually make the contact. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the lua guys that are like, if you slow it down, or not even slow it down, but put it to a beat, to a drum beat, they can, mm-hmm. it's crazy the stuff, how it would come out in a hula. So they're doing the hula and they don't know it, and then the hula girls are doing the hula and they don't know it. So it's, <laughs> it's you know, it's trying okay. to get them together, you know, and so that's why I'm yeah. excited to be able to do both and show them um, for the first time. But people don't even know what they're missing because they, they don't know what they're missing, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's exposing it. Now, yeah. let me ask you this from a cultural aspect, because you mentioned, you know, the grass skirt, the coconut bras. That's what sure. most people think of because that's what's sure. in the media. Yes. Uh, are they the same? Uh, or which came first, the, the grass skirt wearing or the martial application of the hula? Good question. Well, I mean, we're, 
Yeah, Lua was formed in the 8th century, and it was originally a healing art. And so when they introduced, when, uh, let's see, when boxing and wrestling were introduced, then it became a fighting art. But it also encompassed the, uh, encompassed the metaphysical as well. So, you know, the Ho'oponopono, the, having the right spirit and intention towards yourself and others and all living things, the belief that all things are connected. And then with that came the Lomi Lomi, which is the, the massage, the, the actual healing part of it physically, mm-hmm. moving energy around. Mm-hmm. Um, then there was the, you know, the chiropractors and the medical doctors and the, the the kahus, the, the herbalists, those three, you know, are still in the medical sector that a Lua practitioner would need to know. Then there's the wood carving. I mean, it's not like if, you know, you go out to battle and a shark tooth comes out of the lacing um, or you lose a weapon or something cracks in half. It's not like, okay, I have to go home now and fix my weapon. They needed to know how to fix it then and there. Mm-hmm. Um, if it was unfixable, they would have to use, it would be hand-to-hand and biting literally with your teeth and with their hands, and it was on at that point. And, you know, so, and then there's the hula. So um, we're not really sure which came first, whether it was the hula for communication um, or the hula was developed even more than it was at the time when the lua was banned. So mm-hmm. it's like that chicken and egg, you know, story. Did the egg come first or the chicken come first? So it's, <laughs> I'm not sure, <laughs> you know. <laughs> That's awesome. No. Now, for our listeners out there that are wondering, you know, what you know, what's this kahiko? What's this hula? Go to YouTube, you guys, or, or Google Kane Kahiko, K A H I K O, Kane K A N E, um, and look at it. I mean, you know, it, uh, kahiko is accompanied by oli, right? The chant, um, yes, and it's and it's very powerful very powerful like every every time i i i hear oli it just gives me chicken skin it's it's mm-hmm. just like oh that's so cool mm-hmm. um it's very powerful and it's done to a beat and uh, when you watch the men do kahiko it's it's equally powerful and you'll be able to see bob if you look up kane kahiko you'll be able to see the footwork and um the mm-hmm. body movement and how uh how you know, uh, you can see some obvious martial movement, some not, um, but still, it's 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 yeah. You, you'd be able to see it, Bob. So yeah, go check it out. It's very cool, very cool. Well, I'm I'm glad to hear though that you know that you know as the you, as you teach Michelle and and of course Michaela as you learn that the that hula uh, the non contact uh, becomes a great tool. For learning the contact, yeah, mm-hmm. that's yeah. very cool. Um, let's see. I had a question that's uh, not quite uh, Lua related. I kind of wanted to backtrack a little bit and uh, get into Mika Ale's, um, uh experience in. Um, oh, I forgot the name of the system. Eclectic Warrior Arts. <laughs> I forgot the name of it. <laughs> Now, the, now, Amika Ailey, at Eclectic Warrior Arts, I understand that over 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 there it was it was a combination of uh, several schools of Wing Chun and Pikiti Tirsha, correct? Yes, yes. Can you tell us a little bit the, about uh, training there? The uh, the gentleman I learned from, uh, I I just went to his house. We worked out in the living room for three or four years, and uh, he had trained with a lot of underground people, people that. You know, uh, that come into the herbal shop, mm-hmm. the herbs that were here on student visas from Taiwan and China, 
and he trained with a lot of people like that. Mm-hmm. He had a lot. He's a lot of uh, Wing Chun knowledge beyond you know what you might see on videos and and such. Mm-hmm. And he'd also trained some Pekitersha, uh with a guy who was instructor here for a few years, and so he just kind of put it all together, and uh, that's what that was. Mm-hmm. But it was primarily Wing Chun system with the um, the Kali thrown in. Mm-hmm. But, but the movements are really so similar that it, it worked together really well. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Now, in your yeah. personal method of movement, do you find that uh, do you find yourself combining all of your previous experience in your in your personal movement? You, you know, like for example, uh, when you're in um, a Kempo class, do you find yourself going, oh, whoop, I did a Piketty Tertia type of movement there? Maybe, you know, uh, do you find yourself doing stuff like that? Blending? Um, yeah, because a lot of times the movements are the same. Mm-hmm. The, the style of Kempo that I do is, is a blended style of different things that were found to work, you know, through life experience. And so they're pieces of different arts. And so when I would see something for the first time, I was like, oh, I've already done that. But it was this, <laughs> for this system. So that that really helped me because I had a reference already. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the applications were a little bit different, but the movement itself was the same. And so it really made it easy to pick up. Mm-hmm. Very and so cool. So if I, if, if I see something, you know, now in a different art, I was like, oh, yeah, we do that. Mm-hmm. So it was a more of a reference thing. So I don't really, I don't really mix mix them up, thinking this is from this, this is from this. But as I was learning, I noticed they were similar. I would see, Very it, cool. like, oh yeah, I've done that before already. That was that was this. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Um, Kumu Michelle, do you have any questions for Mikaela? Yeah, I actually do. I wanted to know, um, Mikaela, if you see any difference in the spatial um, movements between your Kempo and Lua? Do you feel that Lua has caused you to be closer to your opponent than, than your Kempo? Actually, the style of Kempo I do is almost the same. Uh, we, we, we we call it uh, going in, into the lion's mouth, is the way it was taught to me. Mm, cool. You move in, everything everything moves forward forward at angles and get in close to the person and destroy them. Like the so same as far as, Yeah, the, 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 the exact same, um, you know, frame of mind in, in each of them. So it, that, that part of it is basically the same. Good. Now, you guys have never met, though, right, Michelle? Yes, we've never met in person. Okay, you're going to – then let me, let me start off. Michael, that you're going to have a uh, experience, to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> there was a tone in there. <laughs> there. There was, and there still is, because you're going to see this nice, sweet girl start to train with her. The whole persona changes. Shut up, Bob. You're ruining my her reputation. Look, her everything just, <laughs> all of a sudden, she goes from this nice, sweet person to this lioness. I've heard the stories. It's oh, I've got something. It's very cool. You've got stories. 
I don't appreciate any of you right now. This is this is not why I call this to the radio show. Okay. Well, they're they're not. They're, well, but they're all true. How do you know that? You weren't there for all of them. I was there for some. I won't tell anybody else. I'll tell true. my own. <laughs> when your face went from smiling to scowling, it was like wiping your hand in front of your face. Your you know, your face just changed. Your the the whole your demeanor it was really trippy. Well, and it's you know a, I that's think a skill that I have though. It's a beautiful well, skill. I, mean, actually. I think Re- well, Rosita has it. You have it too. Mhm. Mhm. The tiger switch. You know, when we're yeah, exactly. It's the empress switch. You know, is what I call it. There's so many facets <laughs> to all of us. This is cute. Hello. <laughs> I'm sorry. Why are you laughing, at Bob? You, you, you said Empress Switch, and I have a whole other term in mind. <laughs> oh. oh, I need to get. You know I need to get. I need to get a groan sound effect or a slap sound effect. <laughs> <laughs> How about a punch? I, you I, I, I have to I deal with Mickey L.A. <laughs> well, you know when you, when you go into combat, you have to have an, a mental edge, so you can't be all happy, cheery. I mean, you, you're going to fight like you train. Yeah. Right. And on the other hand, you can't, be, you can't always be like that, you know, looking for a fight tough guy either. You know, it, oh, there no. there has to be that balance. And, you know, Michelle embodies it. You know, many, many people embody it. And, uh, and it's a skill to have because I've met a lot of people that, you know, have a chip on their shoulder and they're always ready to fight, you know, and it just makes me want to slap them. I've seen myself <laughs> like that. Yeah. You know, and and yeah, where where they're all like tough and like walking around like yeah yeah I'm ready I'm ready, you know. Um, and then on the other hand, um, I've also seen people that are always cheery and can't put heart in into their movement. So it's kind of like there, there's got to be there's got to be that that balance. So actually, a very cool skill to have. So yeah, yeah, well, I don't yeah, know if it's humble. developed. Yeah, be humble. You said. Be humble, but you have to be able to flip the switch. Right. Flip well, it just kind of comes naturally. You know, I think as a woman, and I'm sure Rosita goes through this too, is this, you know, we're easily dismissed sometimes. And there's, I realized I was that looking for a fighter, like, go ahead and challenge me, even up until eight years ago, with my own fellow black belts. I mean, they think I'm crazy. I mean, now it's helpful because they don't bother me, but I mean, it's a, you know, don't work out with her. You see, you see the guys going around when we're at an annual event, like, you don't want to work out with her because there's the new guys. They're like, wow, who is that? And they're like, don't, don't even think about it, dude. Just leave her alone. <laughs> just listen, you don't know me, but trust me, I'm not trying to keep you from her. Just don't work out with her. And it's, um, I think as I mature and I know what I am, what I'm capable of and I have great respect for it and I'm not going to go out and intentionally hurt anybody. I'm allowed to be myself too and develop into a balanced human being and a balanced spirit. And that means that we are goofy. We can laugh at ourselves. We can have fun with our friends. We can feel things. You don't have to be tough every single second, but there's also that other side of us. That's the warrior that Mm -hmm. will come out when it's needed to come out. And Mm -hmm. there is an energy that just happens when it's time to teach the Lua. It's inexplicable. It just happens. You know, I can laugh and make jokes because Lua is pretty serious. You know, I'm saying take this person's eyes out with this pointed weapon and then, (laughs) you know, take out their private area and then walk away. 
And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes a joke is good when you're dealing with some very serious techniques. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it it just works out. That's right. But you've mm-hmm. got to admit, Michelle, growing up in the art, you had to put some pain on some people because you had to prove yourself. Oh, always, even today. So that's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Now, do you, now I'm going to be very careful on how I word this because I don't want friend on, I don't want Michelle to unfriend me on Facebook, <laughs> send nasty messages, <laughs> call me a pig. Well, she does that now, so I won't worry about that. <laughs> but she is an extreme. Do you, do you find because and you're going to get embarrassed and you're going to say I'm full of it, but because you are an extremely attractive woman, uh-uh. you feel it was harder growing up in the arts or coming through the ranks as being that you have those attributes. Yeah, of course. I guess I just never really realized it. But then again, I didn't know that I was like just weird, different looking. I wouldn't say I'm extremely attractive. I'm just different looking. And, you know, growing up, it wasn't attractive. You know, there were name, there was name calling and, you know, all sorts of things. My mom was this really tall, thin, Scandinavian model actress. And then you've got my dad, who's like this brawler, scrapper, really dark, black hair, black eyes. You know, it was just an odd mix. And now I guess it's the coolest thing to be exotic. And so mm-hmm. now all this attention's coming. And I'm like, well, wait, time out. You know, I'm no longer this name and that name. Um, I guess it just helps me to be more of who I am and accept who I am. And then more power comes. So, I, you know... You're referring to a post from last week. I usually don't post things like that. And that was just a warning. With all of these new Facebook invites that I'm receiving and, you know, trolling through and making sure before I accept someone they're not a pervert, um, Mm -hmm. it's easy with all the porn that's out there with asses on Facebook and girls, you know, the little girls looking for attention, where us women that know who we are and impact the world, and whether it's martial arts, yoga, pottery, it doesn't matter. We know who we are, and we're strong, and we're not going to put up with that sort of disrespect. Now, I get pictures, and I I don't know if this is inappropriate for the radio, but I literally get real-time, private message pictures of people's penises. What? With some sort of what? how you have me right now. I'm not joking. So I don't know if they think, like, I'm going to say, oh, wow, I want to jump on that. I don't, you know, it's easily, I don't say a thing, I delete them, I block them, whatever. So I think that it's just the lesser man that hasn't embraced the full masculinity and femininity within himself that look at women as objects. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there are worse things that I receive. I was just putting a warning out there for all my new friends (laughs) that that's not going to be tolerated. And, um... And, you know, if I wanted to be a Victoria's Secrets model on the runway with wings and an underwear or a Playboy centerfold, which they have contacted me, <laughs> I'm not oh, that wow. type of woman, you know. So um, it's about the art. It's about exposing and promoting Lua for me and keeping our culture alive and it mostly impacting women. So I will put up with pretty much well, a lot. And I'll be dismissed, and that's okay because that's that element of surprise that um, mm. will keep me alive and have other people underestimate me. And it's probably something uh, Mr. L.A. doesn't have to deal with or Bob doesn't have to deal with, but yes, us women do have to deal with that in, in, in every art, you know, mm-hmm. the way well, it is. Well, you know, that's funny, Michelle, that you mentioned that, you know, you don't consider yourself the way other people may consider you or look at you. I met yeah. you at, Dra- at Dragon Fest last year. 
I looked at you, and maybe I've seen your picture or whatever. I said, don't I know you? And you <laughs> pull out off of your hat and say, just don't call me Mariah Carey. One of the hottest <laughs> women on the planet, and you compare yourself to her. <laughs> oh, yeah, but she's a little trashy with butterflies everywhere. That's really not me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Sorry, Mariah. Love you, girls. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, Mika Ele, you know, since we're speaking about um, size, like in Michelle's case and also in my case, you know, because of our size um, and sometimes gender, you know, we, uh, you know, some of us get uh, dismissed or um, or uh, people sometimes assume that, you know, things are going to be harder for us or more difficult to do. You grew up as a big kid all your mm-hmm. life. So when you were training, Mika Ailey, did, uh, did it, did you find that anywhere that you trained, did they, did people assume that things would just become easier for you because of your size? Uh, when I was, when I first started, I was, I was, I was as tall as I am now in, in middle school. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so when I started, when I started training, I was basically as tall as I am now. So I had to, I had to train with the adults. Mm-hmm. All the, all the kids my age were, you know, half my size. Um, but actually it, it, it was harder for me because I was able to cheat. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of things that, you know, should require technique. Yeah. You know, I had all, all the years of weightlifting and being six foot three and 250 pounds. It's like I just muscle, I could muscle through that easily. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, it wasn't. It was just easy. Mm-hmm. But it was, it, I was cheating myself. And so it's taken a lot of years actually to mm-hmm. learn to use technique as opposed to strength. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And especially as I get older and I don't have as much strength, it's becoming more and more apparent that, you know, it's a good thing I learned technique. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Fruity's yeah, technique. I've got a, exactly. I've got a few uh, kids like that in uh, in my juniors and teens class. They're like six foot tall, you know, 200 pounds. And, and I'm like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where do I put these, you know, where do I put these people, you know, do I make them train with the adults or, you know, because, you know, they're they're not quite ready for training with the adults, but yeah. they're too big to be working with someone that's 4'11 or 5'2". So it's kind of like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, I've, and Rosie, that's an emotional thing for kids because I've seen yeah. kids that are like yeah. six foot and like 12 years old. Yeah, that they're not emotionally ready for the adults, mm-hmm. but they can't train with with these kids sort of in their little baby brothers. Exactly, it's yeah. a tough and it, call. And it, yeah, it is. That's for sure. Because I, I, I knew. Well, now, how do you decide on the maturity level? Who me? Yeah. Um, <laughs> basically, well, it. It it kind of depends because like I mean obviously you've got like the juniors or the teens like you know I've got a fourteen year old who's six foot something and two hundred something, um, and he's very mature in his behavior, but when it comes to like learning like finer points, like when I start getting into the science of something because I'll slip 
you know, and I'll get into the science of something and, you know, body mechanics and, and mm-hmm. uh, anatomy and stuff like that. I can I can feel these bigger kids, like, start to zone out like any other kid would, right? Mm-hmm. You know, these kids, you right. know, still enjoy being a kid, and I don't want to take that away from them either. So with some kids, I give them a choice. I'll say, hey, you know, okay, you know, um, I realize you're only, like, 13, uh, maybe 11 or 12, would you like to train in the teens class, which is a little more uppity, a little more action, you know, oriented, um, or if they are already a teen, I give them a choice of, um, you know, doing uh, one or two teens classes um, and adding um, one adult class, you know, kind of mixing it up just so that way they can kind of, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, that way they can kind of like up their game a little bit in the adults class, mm-hmm. but still have that opportunity to be with their peers. Um, and for the most part, um, the teens that I've done that with uh, will choose to do both. They'll choose to split time. And some, some weeks they'll come to all teens classes. Some weeks they'll come to both adults and teens. Um, sometimes all adults if they really dig it, you know. Um, but on the other hand, too, it's also based on the on the parents' availability because our adult classes are on completely different days. So, um, so until they hit that 16, 17 year old mark, it's, it, it's, it's a choice around 16. If they're, you know, if they're really big, then it's like, Nope, that's it. You're, you're moving automatically to <laughs> adults class. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <clears throat> so let's see, let's take the uh, mic over to Bob. Bob, do you have any martial art related questions? <laughs> Since we got on philosophy yeah, uh, and teaching stuff. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, so, Michael, what what do you see in, in your future in the martial arts, whether it be teaching at a school or opening your own or training other places? What what do you see in your future? Um, I'll probably start teaching more. Uh, eventually, probably have my own school. I mean, I, I don't see – I mean, you can only – Gain so much knowledge that you're going to use. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I could run around and train all a hundred different arts, but what are you actually going to be able to use? You can only use so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't. You'll cloud your mind and your body, and you won't be able to respond because you'll have, you know, so much you're to sift through. There's only so much you're actually going to use. Mm-hmm. So, so I'll just continue with what I'm doing now, and I should probably teach more because I know. You, from what little bit I have taught, that you you actually learn a lot from teaching because you have mm-hmm. to know all the finer points because there's so many different questions that come up about mm-hmm. this and that and so yeah probably probably just teaching more. Now, do you hope one day to be uh, uh, certified to teach uh, Lua? Yes, hopefully so. Yes. Mm-hmm. Very cool. And it's a challenge Michelle, right now because. Oh. I have to drive two hours each each way to class, so. But, I don't I don't get as much training as I'd like. But I'm like, it's for the long haul, so eventually it'll all, I'll pick it all up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, very cool. Now, are you bringing anybody with you after the master? To the uh, to the event. Yeah. Yes. My, my fiance is coming with me, uh, but she won't come until Friday. Oh, okay, so she's coming in later. Very cool. Now, Michelle, I do have one question for you. 
Can you tell yeah. me the the titles of the of 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 the the instructors within Lua and what they mean? Well, you know, in, in our in our art, the Kaivalu Lua, I mean, it's different than the other two family arts that I'm aware of um, that are structured. And really, it's quite simple. You're a Helmana, which means student. You're mm-hmm. a Kumu, and you means teacher. And Alohe is master. So. Oh, cool! Wow, that, that is, is really very, simple. Yeah, it's extremely simple. <laughs> yep. And I, you know, very I actually cool. want to ask uh, Mikaela a question. Um, and now I forgot it, of course. Um, I wanted to ask you, what is now, at this stage of your training and in your lifestyle, um, what is most important for your training? Is it is it a combination of, like, uh, your workouts and your nutrition, or what really keeps you in the game? Hmm. I think a little uh, bit of, right? of all oh, of it. Okay. <clears throat> Combination. Because, yeah, because I still need to work on my physical conditioning, which involves your your diet and perfecting techniques. Is you know when you need you can never be good enough. <laughs> so it, it, I'm, I'm still I mean, to me it, it, it hasn't changed. It's it's a little bit of everything together. Very good. Very cool. Awesome. So, Bob, do you have any uh, last-minute questions? Because we're getting really close to the end of our broadcast. We are. We are. Uh, No, I don't. Oh, okay. (laughs) Now, uh, Mikaela, if anyone wants to contact you to work out or if they have any uh, questions for you, how can people contact you? Um, I guess the best way is to contact me through my Facebook page. Mm-hmm. They can send me a message or, or what have you. Um, I don't I don't have my own school. I'm just a student, so it's one of those things that just get a hold of me and... <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Awesome. Now, for people out there that want to find his Facebook page, um, his name is spelled M-I-K-A apostrophe E-L-E. And I think on your Facebook page, your profile name is uh, Mikaela Michael Armstrong, I think. Um, I think I got that. That's right. Mikaela Kimo Armstrong. Okay. So uh, look that up. Mikaela Kimo, K-I-M-O Armstrong. Very awesome. Very, very cool. Well, cool. Well, thank you so much for for joining us today, Michaela. And Michelle, it's always <laughs> a pleasure to to have you on with us. Thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule too. <laughs> very cool. And and we got a we got a very good schooling from the both of you about Lua and uh we loved hearing about your background there, Michaela and uh very cool, mm-hmm. and we look forward to meeting you at the Masters Hall of yes. Fame this year. Likewise, I can't wait. It'll be very <laughs> yeah. awesome. Well, thanks again for joining us. We're uh, at the end of our broadcast, so um, again, we'll see you at the Masters Hall of Fame, Michaela and Michelle, of course. And yeah, uh, have a great, yeah, have a great rest of the weekend. <laughs> <laughs>
right, thank, thank you. Thank you, you too. Great, thank you. And thank you, Bob, for being such a great co-host as always. And thanks to our <laughs> listeners out there. So have a great weekend, everyone, and a great upcoming work week. We'll talk to everybody next week. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye.